Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. So welcome to the coaching podcast. My name is Pete Catterall, uh, the talent coach developer for British Canoeing, uh, working across all the competitive disciplines. Um, and the podcast today, uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Lowell Collins um, from Plaza Brennan uh, to introduce himself uh, and then we'll get into the, the, the meat of the the podcast and what we're going to chat about today. So, Lowell, could you just give us a, a, a quick resume of who you are, what you do, where you do it, why you do it? But yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, lovely. Um, yeah, I, I work as the director of learning and development at uh, the National Outdoor Centre, that's Placid Brennan. Uh, before that, uh, I was an academic uh, and have spent the last 10 years uh, doing research uh, and teaching uh, around professional practices and judgment and decision making in adventure sports uh, in particular what professionals do um, in that part of the sport my background before that was uh, as a paddler um, back in the day as a whitewater kayaker now more predominantly a canoeist uh, i was fortunate enough to get a bit of a reputation for throwing myself off waterfalls and now i tend to like uh, uh, canoeing around uh, the Canadian tundra uh, and the Arctic. That's about me. Sounds sounds nice, nice, very, very good. <laughs> um, and we, you know, we've worked together over over the years, on and off for for nearly twenty years now. So it's it's good to good to have a a, a chat on here with you. Um, so you say adventure sports. So that's the the meat of this podcast is is what is adventure sports, what is an adventure sports coach, and uh, we'll start talking around what the 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 differences are between adventure sports coach and mainstream coaching. So what I wanted to get your thoughts are first, Lola, is on what is an adventure sports coach? So we're going to start with what is an adventure sport to you? So what's in, what's out? What's your, give us your opinion on, on that. Right. Um, unfortunately, it's not quite as black and white as that. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, there are sports. Canoeing is a sport uh, and uh, canoeing has various types of activity within its sport. So it has slalom, it has wild water racing, it has freestyle. But what it also has is other versions of the sport that tend to get grouped as adventurous. So recreational whitewater kayaking or um, sea kayaking, for instance, or expeditions. So uh, the place to start for me is that those sports are characterized by taking part in a, a natural environment uh, and taking part under a set of sort of rules that the individual decides by. That's their own construction. And, and the reason I put that is, is that sits in opposition almost to the opposite end of a spectrum of a, a, a an olympic sport let's say which is really really heavily regulated you know it governs what the person can wear what they can sit in exactly what the sport is to undertake and that frequently nowadays also takes place in a manufactured environment to ensure that you can have person against person competition so you, you have these, these sort of extremes uh, that are going on. 
Um, there's a mid-ground to this as well, in that you have an increasing amount of activity in managed environments. So you have competitions that take place in, let's say, a marathon race um, that takes place on a natural river, but the section is managed in some way to ensure that it's safe or is managed in some way to make sure that the the track for the race, the route for the race is clearly demarked. So you have this managed sort of category in the middle as well. But for me, adventure sports don't have a great deal of regulation and take place in primarily natural environments. Okay. Yeah. So do you see there's some there's some blurred lines in there with some sports ends, such as um um so like sick line uh, the the extreme whitewater championships or um uh some of like the free free ride skiing the big kind of heli lifting and people find their own line yeah. is that an adventure sport or because it's got rules yeah where does that sit right uh, and and th this is why it can't be black and white actually because uh you you could have you could have a hillside main managed so that it's safe i.e. the pistas go out and they'll, they'll make sure there's no avalanche or there's no high avalanche risk on that slope. And actually, you then compete by interpreting that slope and skiing that slope uh, uh, and, and doing your tricks on the slope. Um, and you get marks for that. And uh, and that that is more towards the adventure sport end of that idea than it is perhaps towards the competitive side because it's not as manufactured for the environment there are still some rules but interestingly those rules tend to value not necessarily just being the fastest or the strongest but interpreting the terrain or going for a maneuver uh, or attempting a trick so if you, the other place you can is something along the of um park and pipe in skiing yeah so you, you go and ski park and pipe and somebody who goes for a really really good maneuver really tough new maneuver but doesn't know doesn't land it properly is still given a great regard from their community of participants because they're pushing the boundaries so that, that there's this little bit in that mid-ground where there's this recognition of pushing the boundaries of the sport which is recognized as well yeah so it's it's unfortunate that it's not black and white um but there are these different ways of of viewing these sports uh yeah if that's helpful yeah no it is it, you know because my next question is going to is going to move into sort of the coaching of it and i think it's good to to kind of work out what we're talking about and that might lead us into what why and I, and I do agree why you believe, but I also agree that, that coaching adventure sports is different to coaching mainstream or competitive sports. So let's get your view on that since you've you know done a PhD in it. It's probably a good place for you to talk. Um, so so why is coaching adventure sports? Why is that different to to other sports? What What's the difference? Why can't I just apply the same skill set across from one to the other? Right. Um, so this gets a little bit uh, a little bit convoluted but the place really to start is that what we coach is people and if we say that we coach 
people, the sport or the activity that we coach them in is almost secondary to that. Yeah. So if we are coaching people, the skills that we need to coach a person are universal. You could argue that they're universal. So as a as a coach working in a competitive discipline, I use the same coaching tools as a coach working in an adventurous discipline. However, the ingredient those ingredients come together in a slightly different way because there are differences in the sport. The first, I mean, the, the tip, easiest one is go, go to the regulation. There's a set of rules that govern what I can coach and the performance that constrain the performance in a competitive yeah. sport. I don't have that when I'm coaching somebody on recreational white water. They can turn up in a boat that ranges everything from um, uh, as long as their legs through to almost four meters long. Uh, and, and there's no requirement for them to get through a rapid in a particular time or in a particular way through a particular route. They have to design the route themselves. So um, the ingredients are the same, but the recipe comes together different, differently. Think, I think I've used this one with you before. Think, think of it like bolognese and chili. <laughs> yeah, bolognese and chili both have a very similar set of ingredients, but they have a slightly different context. Bolognese tends to go on, uh, on pasta, chili tends to go on rice. The ingredients are put together in a slightly different order and a slightly different format with just a little bit of difference in the seasoning. Yeah. So th <laughs> think of the coaching like that. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think um, that... So, go on. Well, I, what I was going to say is that what, what then comes from this is that adventure sports coaches uh, do have to contend with a and they will coach in a much more dynamic environment than perhaps we see in other coaching activities. So in, in a competitive sport, we may see that it's the end game that is really dynamic, but that the coaching situation is actually controlled. In an adventure sport, we frequently see that that coaching is taking place in that very dynamic situation as well. Yeah. There's another element that comes into that, which is that the adventure sports coach is frequently undertaking the adventure with the people that they're coaching. So for that reason, adventure sports coaches need to be capable in the environment that they're coaching in. It doesn't mean that they have to be top end performers, but it does mean they need to operate in the environment that they're coaching within without having to expend a great deal of thought on their part for their own performance because all their thoughts should be on their clients or on their their coaches yeah yeah i'm just, um, just visualizing how that would work in, in other in other sports so uh, like a bobsleigh coach <laughs> down on a bobsleigh give well he'd be in the bobsleigh <laughs> yeah or being in the bobsleigh so yeah it's you know you are playing the game alongside the, the athletes in, in adventure sports yeah uh, yeah. And and the the kind of attentional focus that that means you have to manage, I think, is quite high level as well. That you you know you do have to be so comfortable that it's you're not worrying about you, but you still have to have that awareness in that. Uh, and I think that's a really good way of describing it. Um, in, in that you should be on the adventure with 
the people that you're coaching but you shouldn't necessarily be having an adventure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're having an adventure, you've probably pushed it too far for the folks that you're out with. You, you are you are along so that they can have an adventure. Yeah. And sometimes for folks, that's they can be they can have that experience with you, knowing that you are the backstop. To fish them out if it goes pear-shaped but equally they can come to you as an adventure sports coach and want you to teach them so that the next weekend after you've worked with them they can go and have their own adventure completely independent of you um and so there there is this idea of what end the end point is of the coaching process which is the individual undertaking their own adventures and yeah that's dead interesting because it means we see a lot of high level adventure sports coaching actually happening with intermediate level performers because when you've been successful they're independent of you so the advanced performers aren't coming back for coaches does that make yeah. sense yeah yeah and I, and I think that typically that the like duration of the coaching relationship is very different in in adventure sport not not exclusively but you know in the world i work in now with the competitive guys they have quite long-term <laughs> relationships with the athletes and when i was coaching adventure sports i might have hours days maybe maybe a week i might get them back again at some point but most of the time i have to get up and running with these with these these athletes participants whatever whatever we want to call people pretty quickly and make make decisions about them because they want to be coached in an adventurous situation and i don't know them very well so so what do you think about that the sort of coaches decision making to be able to do that job well you, you you've alluded to, to two things so far that come slightly before the decision making and what one is um a piece of work that we've done recently which is the all to do with the coaching process in adventure sports. And a, a typical coaching process works out what the uh, what the athlete, participant, client needs and then designs a program to address that. But in adventure sports, what we see going on is an identification of the what the client thinks they need and what they want. And then we actually have to put the client in the adventurous environment to find out whether what they believe they need and they want is actually what they believe and need and want. Uh, and then we redesign the coaching process on that. So the, the planning process for adventure sports coaching seems much more sophisticated because you almost have to make a plan, go out and then almost immediately remake that plan because the description of that person's performance or that person's performance in those conditions on that day all force you to change so you see adventure sports coaches as what are called adaptive experts and which means their skill is in their capacity to be very very agile with their coaching activity they can adjust and change what they're doing um, as opposed to making a plan and sticking to it and, and and being dogmatic about it and sort of being too attached to a plan so we find adventure sports coaches are very very adaptable experts um which is a characteristic that we see in very high level 
coaches in other activities, but we see this across all levels in adventure sport coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I work with a lot of groups and coaches now that that do a phenomenal amount of planning because it's you know it's based around a competition or a, a cycle, you know, Olympic cycles or you know selection or it might just be a winter block of training. Um, you know, it would be you know they are adaptive because you know like you said earlier we're, we're coaching squidgy human beings here that that that, are all, <laughs> that react differently to different stimulus so um you know it's it's still within a within a a a, a, a kind of bandwidth of, of what we expect but but it is planned for and it is well well timetabled out i'd say in, in, a, in a different way to you know if i'm helping somebody prep for an expedition then i know when that's going to be but it's quite loose <laughs> right and, and you see that that's a lovely observation because for me that links back to this regulation if i've got if, if if i'm working within a structure i've got to get that person prepped for 2021 i'm working within a framework i have a set of constraints that i work within um whereas when i'm working outside of that and i'm prepping somebody for an expedition or prepping them to um uh, undertake their own adventure their trip to the ardesh in the summer or whatever it doesn't necessarily have those same boundaries placed on it yeah yeah and i guess you know it, it doesn't have the same to a certain extent doesn't have the same pressures and outcomes they're different they're not not le equal not less value or more value you know what one is about performance on a day which means they get a nice medal and the other one is potentially um life-threatening if, if if it goes wrong so things right. I think. yeah so so the, this this then touches in two areas adventure sports are not particularly risky <laughs> actually when, when, when you do the numbers horse riding and rugby and football probably make greater demands on the nhs than we do, why I don't do any of them yeah yeah <laughs> um but the the challenge is that when it does go pear-shaped where we are the consequence is higher so that that's your consequence against likelihood yeah um thing going on um the other bit that you have uh, that's really important within that is this idea that uh people perceive adventure sports as being risky sports so we get lumped in with extreme sports and high risk sports um and actually we're not we're actually very safe it's just that when it does go messy it goes really messy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the instances of, of actual accidents are, are, are minimal you know yeah we've got a very safe yeah yeah okay so just you know um we've, we've gone off on some good tangents there but i like i like tangents i don't like sticking to sticking to plans as you'll probably remember from when you work but um so for for adventure sports coaches then developing their their coaching craft has to be different then compared to mainstream coaches i would guess what what, what do you think is is it can we go down okay can i go down the same learning my craft coaching for if i want to become a football coach as i could to become a adventure sports coach in, in whatever discipline or do i need you know how do i how do i learn my craft i guess is what i'm saying right so what i would do is i would go back to my ingredients analogy 
you can learn to recognize a, a tin of tomatoes <laughs> and you can learn to recognize half a pound of mince <laughs> and an onion yeah but understanding how they come together is the crucial bit so there are there's a very good argument for generic training of the appropriate core skills but they need to be transferred into the right context very very rapidly so that uh, the application of those skills into the context it is is brought together very quickly so this means you can have a a generic coaching skill training but it has to come very quickly uh, with a okay so how do those things apply into a white water environment how do they apply into a sea kayaking environment yeah yeah um now crucial within that is that you need adventure sports coaches to be reflective so uh, and and there's there's a couple of parts to that the crucial part is they need to be critical so when somebody tells you something you should be going are you sure how does that apply to me does that apply to me is that source useful should i believe p cattle when he says yeah um and then i apply it and i go well actually pete was quite right to say that this is a one way of doing this job i like that and you then reflect upon it you think about did it work could it be changed could it be modified so that the next time i go out to use it i can then refine it and improve it so we find that adventure sports coaches are quite reflective in what they think about but interestingly they're not reflective in the way that the academics think about it so when you read a lot of stuff on reflection you find that there's quite an emphasis on do the activity and then think about it in a structured way afterwards but we find that adventure sports coaches and this links in with that adaptive expertise thing are continually reflecting and making judgments and decisions and taking actions and auditing and reviewing them throughout the coaching process so they're reflective in the action in the coaching process which is really important and, and that's because that's really, that's really demanding on the adventure sports coach they're you know cognitively mentally it is a very very draining activity to do really really well that's something i see uh, you know when i think about a lot of the slalom coaches and the sprint coaches working is 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 that process going on so i think you know that's something where the the lines definitely blur and i, I see that an enormous around whether whether it's whilst slalom paddlers doing another lap they're, they're they're quickly evaluating am i doing the right thing how do i move that on how do we do we need to progress that skill do we need to regress that skill do we need to change the environment for that skill um so i do see i see that going on at, at a pretty high level and you see the, the coaches afterwards looking like they've they're just a bit drained at the end, <laughs> the end of a session when they've when they've been working hard and 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 that's because it is you know if you're continually planning re-planning adjusting it, it, it it's a it's a cog it is a cognitive process it's mm. an explicit thought on your part to do that you 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 broke up a little bit there, but you touched on something that was really 
important is this idea that we vary what we ask the individual to do, we vary the environment in which they're taking part in that activity. Um, and we vary the, 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 the task as well. Yeah. Um, and because we're operating in these natural environments, there's a, there's a natural variation in the locations in which we're coaching. Uh, which is really beneficial to the coaching process. But there's also a lot of thought going into how a technique may adapt and change uh, to suit that individual in that boat with those paddles in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talk a lot about, um, well, we, the, the coaches I work with, it's not so much me anymore, I just, I just listen to them, talking about, you know, how each he, each athlete, each paddler creates a technical template that works for them, for their body shape, their size, but also the way they like to like to paddle and move. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, you you would build your you build your picture of a performance on a technical template, uh, and from that emerges uh, um, what's called a mental model. Yeah. of the type of performance that, that you want to achieve. Uh, technical templates are really, really good, and they work really, really well in those aspects of paddle sport where there is a technical template. The challenge, and we see this in adventure sports, we would probably also see this in things like para canoe as well, is that those technical templates don't always fit the variation of the individuals or the craft or the environment that they're in. So we find that adventure sports coaches and power canoe coaches, again, are characterized by this ability to adapt the technical template to the individual that they're coaching. That's really quite sophisticated because when, when we look at that in other coaches, uh, we see that in very, very high level coaches, but we see it routinely as a factor in adventure sports coaches yeah and and you know yeah i'd echo that across all, all of those things you know i see it a lot in again in slalom and in 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 sprint that you know they know what we're aiming for but how we you know someone who's six foot compared to someone who's five foot four does something you know me and you paddle the same section of river but we'll we'll have a slightly different style about it just because of we're, we're a different size and different shape and i think that's you know it's back Back to what you said earlier, we're coaching people, not not paddle sports. We're just coaching those people how to paddle. Yeah, uh, a really good quote came out from um, I'll quote him actually, Luke, Luke Smythe, one of our slalom coaches. It, it, you know, he he coaches the person before the paddler, uh, and yeah, and, and I love I heard him say that the other day. And I was like, that's just, you know, brilliant. He's he's got that. Pretty, to be fair, fairly early days in his first few years of coaching, which is brilliant. And um, so. We'll start to wrap that up. There's a lot. I think we might have to have a part two to uh, to pick up on some <laughs> But um, I guess my last question was, was, you know, as as where's the next development? I guess for for adventure sports coaching, what what's the what next? If I think about the the, the sports I work with, we've got you know as a, as a as a slalom coach or a sprint coach or a freestyle coach or whatever, we've got access to to a technical coach uh, and then we've got a string of of supporting people so we've got physiologists we've got strength and conditioning coaches we've got physios we've got sports psychologists that we that, that are stood behind us 
and that's phenomenal amount of support that the coach can access. And the coach does have to have elements of all those things as well, because when they're coaching, they, they, those people aren't just stood around waiting to ask questions. They're, they're support staff. Um, so how, do, how does that come out? How do we really make outdoor adventure sports athletes as, as good as we can without that support? I know we didn't talk about this, but I'm going to throw that one at you. Okay. Um, so the, the the bit that comes from this for me is it comes back to adventure sports coaches is that they have to be able they have to know enough to be able to deal with all of those things in the field. You, you clearly can't take with you uh, a physio, uh, a psychologist, uh, dot 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 when you're out in the hills or when you're out on the sea. But it is expected that the adventure sports coach will have enough knowledge of those areas that they can support an athlete in those ways until you get back at the end of the day. And that, that kind of overlaps with one of your earlier points is that a, a, a typical slalom coaching session may be, what, an hour, 45 minutes, whereas a typical adventure sports coaching uh, session could be a day or two days or three days yeah you know um so we are uh, we are juggling a little bit uh in there but we're also using the same ingredients in in subtly different ways the direction for adventure sports coaching for me is all about judgment and decision making uh, and and the, and the reason for that is that we know that most accidents that happen in the outdoors stem from a poor judgment or a series of poor judgments. Uh, and we also know that effective development of any performer is a series of choices made about the approach that you take with that performer in that situation. So for me, it's all about judgment and decision-making. So the, the focus of coach education for me hangs around how to make good calls how to choose to do the right thing with the right person in the right place at the right time but we could talk about that next that time. was do you know what that was probably the best way to finish this one up because that's exactly where i was thinking of going with the next one is how we how we start how, how do we develop that how do we build on that uh, how do we evaluate it uh, yeah so let's let's leave that there and let's talk about that on the next one about decision making and we'll use the context of adventure sports but also in the the you know this is a, obviously a, on British canoeing so it's a paddle sport chat then we might just look at it from a, a bigger a bigger picture so thanks for your time I know you've got to get back to working out how we're gonna restart the world of the outdoors after this lockdown so <laughs> so hopefully that's been a nice break from whatever you were doing before but uh, th thanks for your time and I look forward to part two brilliant Thanks, Pete. <laughs>